The idea of the, the series for so the next couple of weeks is, is based on a few short verses in Acts. Uh, Acts 27, when Paul, who was a man who was mightily used by God, who shared the good news of the gospel, who shared the hope uh, that that brings, uh, and he was coming under real opposition. And there's a part in Acts 27 where he was shipwrecked after being held as a prisoner. And to get to safety, a call uh, was made for folk who could swim to the shore to do that. So if you could swim to the shore, go for it. Try, you know, go and do that. But uh, others were to hold on to a piece of the ship to get to safety. And we are exploring for a few weeks uh, these pieces of the ship that are so precious for us for safety. Because every single one of us go through seasons where storms, we're in the midst of storms. So holding on to certain pieces are so important so we can see dry land again, so that we can uh, remember what we are made for and who we were made by, and we have a God who loves us. So I want to read uh, from Psalm 95 this morning, and Hazel went round with Bibles. If you don't have a Bible at home, uh, maybe you never got the opportunity to get one when we're going round. We'd love you to have a Bible at home. So it's these ones here. You can get them here or over at the desk. Take it as a gift from us. Just take it away for free. So that's a lot of freebies, isn't it? Good coffee, the orange bags, the Bibles. Just lap it up. Just go for it. So we're looking at Psalm 95, and hopefully the, the words will be up on the screen behind me, and I'm going to say a short prayer before we read from God's Word. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your words. And we pray you'll be just really evident through the rest of this morning. That you'll speak directly into where we are at, what we are feeling, what questions we have. We, we, yeah, we pray for, pray for miracles. We pray for yeah, your supernatural presence to be among us. Amen. So let's read from Psalm 95. And this was penned by David, and the Psalms are, are, are pretty much a collection of, uh, of songs, of witness, of praise, of prayer, uh, of being real before God. So we're, we're reading from Psalm 95, and it says this, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand we are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and, the hands, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Amen. Amen. So the piece of the ship that we're going to look at this morning is worship. It's worship. And for myself personally, having grown up in the church and uh, being a, a pastor's son, a PK, pastor's kid, uh, I, and then I had a wee detour during my uni years, some worship 
uh, singing worship songs has been a bit of a journey for me personally. For from a young age, I was the boy back in the day on the acetates, on the old style projectors. Do we remember those? Maybe from school or from churches we were part of, and that was a big pressure job, eh? That was that was a big pressure job. If you got it wrong, all eyes were on you. Everyone turned. Everyone turned. And then as I got a wee bit older doing that, I got a wee bit more mischievous. Uh, and some Sundays I realized with certain people who were playing the piano, I could control the pace of the song based on putting the words up. So I'd speed it up and everyone would be looking at the words instead of the piano and songs would speed up and slow down. And uh, that was a bit cheeky, I know, but I, I realized I could do that. And then also, this only happened once because I got into trouble, but very slyly during singing a, a song about soaring on wings like eagles, I perfected a bird shadow across, <laughs> across the words of the song, and that didn't happen again. Then I got promoted to putting the numbers up, you know, the hymns in older churches you'd have at each side, what hymns we'd be singing. So I would be the guy who'd go into the drawer and pick the numbers out, and I would get accustomed to remembering which songs were which. So 706 was How Great Thou Art, and uh, I just thought, that's just ingrained in me. And the mission praise was ingrained in my head. And I also remember moments in the evening service where people would shout out songs that they wanted to sing. So it'd be a little gathering uh, that my dad would have in the evening service. And people would sing out, the, or would shout what song they wanted to sing. And I would know right away what numbers it was and help people out because it was so ingrained. And nobody knew some of the songs, but we powered through. You know, those are, are funny stories. But as a young teen, I remember being at church and some of those times of worship doing something in me. When I was going through storm seasons of insecurity, of temptation, of approval, of loneliness, I remember being at church and being the only young person there along with my, with my little sister. We were the two only young people there. But I remember in those moments, a handful of moments, feeling something of God's presence when we sung together songs about Him. And I didn't know it then, of course. But one time, I, was, I remember literally trembling, standing, and my legs just turned to jelly. And I, I didn't really know what was happening. And I had to sit down. And my heart was jumping out of my chest. You know, and as I reflect back, I, I think about how I thought of myself and the journey that I was on at that time. Uh, you know, in spite of all my rubbish, in spite of me thinking at that age that God wasn't interested in me, God had me. He had me in his grip, even though I didn't know if I had myself, really, as a teenager with all the insecurities that that brings. You know, worship is the most precious thing for us as we get motoring on as Inverness Vineyard Church, as a new uh, church in the city. And we will protect it with everything we have. And we'd like to think as you join, as you visit, as you uh, come along and be part of things, you attend our small groups, you attend our gatherings, that you would see the importance that we place on, on worship. And I know uh, at the beginning, sometimes I tag it as we're going to sing on, we're going to sing a few songs to God and the words will be up on the screen. And, you know, we're doing it a massive disservice as I communicate it like that. It's, the act of worship is so, so much more. It's so much more. And this morning I want to look at, I want to look at what is worship. Primarily who we worship, why we worship, and how we worship. 
And hopefully through that, we can see what worship isn't and why that this piece of the ship is so, so important in not only the storms, but in our lives as a whole. To refocus, my, our, my prayer this week as I've been preparing is that as we unpack this and as we take time to worship, that we would refocus, that we would recommit, that we would reorientate our lives back to God in worship this morning. To remember why we do what we do. And so after I speak, which won't be very long, hopefully, we're going to have an extended time of worship straight after uh, I speak as a church family. Uh, so does that sound good? Yeah, does that sound good? Brilliant. John Wimber, who was the founder of the Vineyard Movement, so uh, the movement of churches that we belong to, he had a few things to say about worship. And there's a quote that will hopefully come up on the screen behind me. He says this, We need to understand that worship is for the King. I have been in church a long time and I've heard people say, I don't get anything out of worship. I say, listen, stupid, it isn't about you getting anything out of worship. It's about you giving worship to God who is worth worshiping. It's not for entertainment purposes and it is not even to prepare the audience for the sermon or to manipulate a lot of people, uh, manipulate a lot of money out of you in the giving. It is for God. It isn't because he has a weak ego and he needs to be bolstered and encouraged. Poor old God. Wow. It's amazing. It's a brilliant quote. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. God is worthy for who he is and what he has done. And through scriptures we see, through the Bible, we see time and time again, God's people choosing sung worship as a vehicle for that glory and honor offering. When they want to bring glory and honor to God, it's, it's more than often in sung worship. We see, uh, just to highlight a couple of examples, we see the Israelites, God's people, after the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea in Exodus 14, 31, it says this, because of the mighty power he had used against the Egyptians, the Israelites worshipped him and trusted him and his servant Moses. We also see in 2 Samuel 6, David dancing with all his might when the Ark of the Covenant, so the Ark of the Covenant was a chest, a huge a big chest holding the Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone from God. When that was brought to Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 6, verse 14, it says, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And then also we have Jesus when he was here on earth with his disciples having a last supper before uh, his death, on the journey to his death on the cross. In Matthew 26, verse 30, it says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So we believe as a church and as a movement that sung, gathered worship is biblical, it's personal, it's intimate, it's powerful. And according to the Bible, it seems to be the natural response to God in our walks, in our day-to-day -day walks, in our trials, when things are rubbish, in our celebrations, when God is broken through, in every life circumstance, that seems to be the natural response. So I want to look at who we worship. I want to look at who we worship. Now, I am a 
two years in August, we have been in Inverness, myself, Mary, and our two little boys. And there's one thing about Inverness which isn't as great as previous places I've been, and that's the music scene. So we have the ironworks, and that's about it. Having been in Aberdeen before, I used to go to a few gigs, but I was at university in Stirling, and Stirling was brilliant because it was equidistant to Glasgow and Edinburgh. So you could go to Glasgow on the train, Edinburgh on the train, it was like 40 minutes to each. And I've seen some amazing, amazing bands. I've seen the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the Foo Fighters, Mumford and Sons, Coldplay, and I've seen some not so good which after my uh, confession of Celine Dion CD last week, I'm not going to tell you any more of the, the, the bands I have went to see which weren't so good. I'm going to keep that to myself and maybe disclose that a bit later on. But you know what? At concerts and at sports events, at gathered things like that, it's so striking to see what people do. I don't know if you've noticed it. It's so striking to see people's passion it's so striking to see people's hearts, the pouring out and the all-in nature of uh, where they are at at that moment. Seeing, uh, seeing people with their hands in the air, it's almost like a worship moment. Now, this week, if you were a football fan, you've probably seen it in the news. There was two remarkable football games this week. And I went out with a friend to watch the Liverpool game. Liverpool were 3-0 down. They needed to win 4-0. And it was just the two of us. And uh, we went into this pub. It was the Fluke in Inverness, a little pub. And it was like when Liverpool scored that fourth goal, I was, I was like screaming. I was, I'm not even a Liverpool fan. And I was screaming, and we were hugging. We hadn't seen each other in a year. We're like hugging. And then another guy came along. We're hugging him, and we're like, hi, I'm Tom. Nice to meet you. Didn't even know who you were. It done something in us. You know, at these, in these things, they're almost like worship moments. It's almost like in those moments of going to a Mumford & Sons con- con- concert, that Mumford & Sons are the central focus of our aff- affection. Or Coldplay are the central focus of our affection. Or Liverpool Football Club are the central focus of our affection. When we worship and sing together, as we do every week at Inverness Vineyard Church, as a gathered community, we make Jesus the central focus of our affection. We sense God's presence with us, the Holy Spirit meeting with us, and communicating to us the Father's love. It might be all of a sudden when we're singing that a deep peace just, just meets with us, just comes over us when we have been stressed to the very point of arriving to come together. It might be that a song that we sing, that a line just resonates or a word just resonates exactly what our soul is yearning for and what our hearts are calling and crying out for. It might be singing of God's power to break chains and we're filled with hope that Jesus has already triumphed over the giants and we have to remember who we are. The Bible shows us the nature of the God we worship. Just to to run through a couple of verses of the nature of the God we worship. Genesis 1 verse 1, it speaks of in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So first of all, we worship God as creator. We worship God as creator, father, maker, and sustainer of all things. He is bigger than us. He is God, and we are not. He creates, he sustains, he breathes life. He is God. We're returning to our source. 
where we live and breathe and have our being. And that is a reminder of coming to God as creator in awe, in awe and thanksgiving for who he is. He is a creator God. And then we have, we worship God as king. We worship God as king. In Psalm 103 verse 19, it says this, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. His kingdom rules over all. Let that sink in. His kingdom rules over all this morning. His kingdom rules over every situation that we're in this morning. His kingdom rules over all of your life, past, present, and future. His kingdom rules. He is over it all. He is sovereign over the cosmos. He is extending his rule through people who love him and obey his word. So not only does God create, but he rules over all things. And we worship him as powerful, as mighty, as untouchable. You know, we sing that worship song, what a beautiful name, what a wonderful name, what a powerful name. We worship a powerful God this morning. And we worship God as Trinity as well. We worship God as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is one. One God expressing himself as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We can't worship one without the other. John Wimber says this, You can't hardly praise the Son without him telling you about his dad. And you can't approach his dad without him telling you about his son. And you can't talk to the Holy Spirit at all without him telling you how great the Son and the Father are. So we worship God as three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then uh, finally, we worship God as Savior. We worship God as Savior. In Matthew 1, 21, it says this, speaking about Mary, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We worship God as a savior. So not only does God create, not only does he rule, does, not only does he hover over all things, not over all, over all things, but he saves. He saves this morning. We worship him for sending his son Jesus to face our punishment, to face death for us so we could die to our old selves. So that we can live in the new, cre in new creation. So we can live free without condemnation. So we can have passage into relationship with the Father God. And we worship out of this great love for us. So all of that all of those things, we worship God as creator, as king, as trinity, as savior. All of that informs our worship. And worship is an end in itself. It's our opportunity when we come together again and again and again to surrender ourselves to God. To go, okay, God, I'm yours. I often share the quote, show me what you spend your time, money, and energy on, and I will show you what you worship deeply challenging and actually a really helpful thing at the beginning of the week or, or regularly in our walks. What am I spending my time on? What am I spending my money on? What am I spending my energy on? And we become, what, we become 
like who we... we Let me start again. Let's rewind. Can we edit that bit out when we do the podcast? We become like who or what we worship. So as we are recapping this morning, or maybe we're hearing for the first time who God is, why wouldn't we bring our time, our money, and our energy? Worship is not about what we can get from God. It's about what we can bring to Him in light of who He is. In light of who He is, Creator. Wow. He's the King. He's over all things. Wow. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is our Savior. Our worship should be a reflection of those great truths of who He is. And when we come together as well, it's important to, to say as well that it's more than the music. It's more than the music, and it's not a show. It's not a show. In Psalm 115, verse 1, it says, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. We sing a song uh, often at church about it being all about you. I'm not going to sing it, but I did put on the thing because it goes all about you, all, and I put all the L's when I typed it out. And I, I was maybe going to sing it, but I'm not going to sing it. But it's all about him. It's all about him. Why we do what we do is it's all about him. We want to worship with and engage with God in a real and authentic way. And it's important to remember when we gather, when we worship, when we hold on to this peace, that something happens in the spiritual realm. Something shifts when we worship God. We are joining in with heaven as we worship. What a thought that is. We are joining in with heaven as we worship. And the enemy loves when we let it pass us by. He loves it. He loves it. When we don't engage, when we don't open our hearts, when we say no because we maybe we don't feel like it. And just to be honest, there are plenty times that I haven't felt like it. And I'm sure that is the case for every one of us here. But that's where faith comes into play. It's not to be ruled by feelings. And if we're being brutally honest, if we were ruled by feelings, I don't know if there'd be an Inverness Vineyard Church here if we were ruled by feelings. We are to be driven by faith. But for some of us here this morning, we maybe feel uh, like feelings are, are driving us and that our faith is shrinking. Maybe some of us here are feeling like we're just on, on, the, on the brink that we just have a little bit left. And, and what I feel God is saying to you this morning is, that's okay. And let me tell you why that's okay, because Jesus, in God's Word, speaks of faith as small as a mustard seed. And in Matthew 17, He asks us, I believe He's asking us this morning to bring our mustard seeds. God Creator, God King, God Savior, God Trinity, to say to Him this morning, here's the seed. I'm going to worship you with this little bit of faith that I have, with this pocket full of faith. I don't feel like it, but I have faith in who you are and what you've done. And worship will always be at the core of what we do at Inverness Vineyard. And we will try everything, we will try everything we do to have times where we worship together. At the very core of who we are, are a people who find our greatest identity, strength, and joy in the presence of God. 
So this space is not a concert, it's not a performance, it's not a sing-along, it's not a spectacle. It's not about the band, it's not about the preacher. This is a holy moment as all of God's people gather. It's a holy moment. So why do we worship? Why do we worship? If we could have the next slide up. And there's lots of different answers. Firstly, we worship because we are the pursued. We are the pursued. In 1 John 4.19, it says, we love because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. That is why we worship and what it means to be a child of God. God started this. He is pursuing our hearts. And worship is a response to his great love for us. Worship then doesn't become about obligations or rules. We don't need to do, do, do. We just need to rest and be. Let go of the striving and to fall into his arms. It's quite a thought to think God pursues us, isn't it? I've only been pursued twice. Uh, well, three times if you include God, because God pursues us, and that's the whole point that I'm saying. But two other times have I, I have been pursued. Once by Mary. I'm joking. <laughs> it was that, <laughs> just wanted to say that while she was out of the room. Actually, it's the other way around. I pursued Mary quite a bit and was quite relentless. Anyway, once uh, I pursued Mary. And then secondly, by the police, I was pursued as well. And before you start worrying, I was a teenager and I was trying to get conkers from a chestnut tree, which was in a distillery. And we cut a hole in the fence and there were security cameras. And yes, so I've been pursued by the police. I was just going to leave it as I was pursued by the police. And then you'd be like, oh, what did he do all around the lunch table? What do you think the pastor did? But anyway, I've told you now. So it's not as good a story. Where am I? Where am I? This is a great pursuit. Some of us need to hear that God loves us this morning. Some of us need to hear you are his child this morning. I forever say to our little boys and think of saying to our little boys as they grow older, we have two little boys, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, Joshua and Struan, I love you not because what you do or what you will do, but I love you because who you are. We often look at the outside, don't we? And it's the same with worship. It can be the same with worship. We often get too focused on what we see. Oh, I'm not sure I would have done that song like that. I've heard it differently. Or, oh, we bit out a tune at the beginning of there. I don't know if I'll, I'll sit. I'll maybe sit this one out and, and catch up with the next song. I hope they do a song that I like. Oh, I don't know that song. Not too sure about that. And it can be a bit like Britain's Got Talent. We're watching Britain's Got Talent. You know, we can almost have the red buzzers at the ready. You know, and when we step out of here, we're pressing the red buzzers. I'm not too sure about that. Not sure about that. There's a culture that we live in of reviewing everything. We see it with Amazon, Airbnb, eBay. God doesn't want this space to be about reviewing. He just wants us to respond and love to the love that he poured on us. That's what this is about. That's why we do what we do. Uh, we had a worship night. Each month we have a worship night and then a prayer night, and then a worship night and a prayer night on Sunday evenings. And uh, we had our first worship night over at Emma's and George's a couple of weeks ago, and there was three of us there. And we had this moment where there was three of us, and I had the start of a chest infection as well, but I was like, I'm going to go. And we had this moment where we are about to start at 8 o'clock. We had our tea and our biscuits, and we were like, are we going to do this? 
are we going to do this? And Sean was playing guitar, and it was just the three of us, and we could easily have went, okay, we're just going to sing. There was four of us, sorry. There was four of us. Are we going to do this? And we thought, yeah, we're going to do it. Let's go for it. And we gave our all. And honestly, it was one of the most significant worship nights I have ever experienced. And uh, I had a moment personally where I knew my voice wasn't at it, but I, was, I, I warned the guys beforehand. I was like, I'm going for this. And you might hear a few dodgy tunes, dodgy notes, but I don't care. And there was just that collective thing of we're here for God. We're here to tell him how great he is. And it was incredible. It was so good. And you know, God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. And we respond out of this pursuit with worship. And then God then reveals his love to us by his spirit. And just to remind us, worship times are power times. There are moments where when we worship the king, the kingdom comes. So uh, where we see healings, where we see relationships restored, where we see lives changed, passions ignited. And it's my prayer that this would be the venue of, of that, that this church would be the venue of those kind of moments when we gather together to worship, that his spirit would move during worship times, that he would gift us with moments of his spirit, and then we respond to him with love, and then the cycle continues. And there are lots of ways that we can express our love in worship. God is our focus in worship, and you may see on Sunday mornings or where you go to small groups, people actively demonstrating their, uh, their love. And that might look like their arms being raised high, singing passionately, maybe kneeling in thanks, maybe shouting out, maybe dancing. And for me personally in my walk, that was initially quite a distracting thing. Me and Mary had our first proper argument after me visiting the church she was part of. And I'm like, why have people got their hands in the air? I can't see the words. Put your hands, I can't see the words. I can't see what to sing and what, what's going on here. But it's people's response to who God is. And for me, it's a demonstration of my uh, love to God and just reaching to heaven. I see it as a, a thing of just reaching to heaven. And it's important to say in that, as maybe you're coming to church and you look around and you see people jumping up and down or shouting or their hands in the air, I'm not more holy. It's not to be aspired to. It's not like a different level or a different grade. But for me, it's a freedom thing. And when I've had a rubbish week, reaching out and knowing who God is afresh and bringing that pain or frustration to him is vital. It's vital. Or celebrating breakthrough, it's vital. Uh, a couple of years ago, when Joshua was born, he spent 10 days in hospital. He had a little infection. And I remember some of our friends coming in and praying over him in the ward and, and me just in floods of tears in the ward. And I remember the first Sunday that we got to take Joshua into church and I jumped through the whole service. Like I was jumping in worship through the whole service. It was a slow song, you know, one of those songs we reflect, I was just still just going for it because in me, my heart was just saying, thank you, God, for who you are and thank you that Joshua is okay. It was a, a moment of worship, of thanksgiving and of breakthrough. I didn't care. And for some of us here, that's a word as we worship. We need to not worry what people think because if we worry in here, how can we love radically out there in the city to people who, who need us, who are longing for us? And for all of us, that freedom will look different. And I want to this morning just break that chain, that fear of stepping out 
in Jesus' name. We are to be free to worship. We've seen that with David. We're to dance like David. You don't want to see me dance. It's just all legs and arms. So we'll just carry on. And that's why as well we have the chairs just that little bit behind, you know, just that little bit more of a gap and, and between each other as well. And that's a couple of personal things on that because a couple of times I've put my hands out in churches and we've had the classic hand touch with another person next to me. And it's happened to me on both hands. And you just get the fright of your life, don't you? And your hands withdraw back. And also when your chair, often what happens to me because my arms are so long, if I'm really close to someone, I can't stretch my hands out right away. So I have to do this weird kind of thing like this. And then I need to come back in. So it's just so we have space. It's just so we have space. Psalm 134 verse 2 says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Psalm 98, shout to the Lord. Music is just one of the ways that helps us respond to God's love. So how do we worship? Just as we bring things to a close and then we'll worship together. We worship through a life surrender to God. In Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The worship that God seeks involves our entire lives. It's offered as a response to his love. From money to neighbors to work, worship is all-encompassing. There's a phrase, core dio, which is the Latin, which means to live before the face of God. When we gather to worship, it's a time of encounter, of empowering, of refreshing. And that encounter touches us in the core of our hearts, that we can be changed from the inside out. Courage to live, strength to face our challenges, and faith to chase the dreams that God has deposited in our hearts. And also as well, we worship in light of kingdom worship. Deep in the theology of the vineyard is the commitment to the kingdom of God. Being at hand, as Jesus taught. Jesus taught that the kingdom is now. Vineyard worship always has always believed that healthy kingdom worship recognizes that tension between the kingdom is now, but the kingdom is also not yet. It's not here in its fullness. There is a tension. It's here and present but it's also yet to come. So we will see the amazing, we will see the God breakthroughs, but we will also have moments where we journey really tough stuff. And we, at times we experience that. We see healings, we see justice, we see people being set free from addictions, but at other times the kingdom fully doesn't come in the present. But we believe that Jesus will come and make all things new that he will come in his fullness. So we see that tension in songs that we sing as a church family. We have the now, we have the joy in expressing breakthrough and celebration, his power, but also in the not yet, we have songs of pain, of longing for his peace, his comfort, of turning our hearts to repentance. It's just in essence like the Psalms. It's just like the Psalms. And also worship is not just for Sunday that we are filled up and sent out. We're sent out with a mission for a mission. So just to bring some values around our, our worship as a, as a church. Firstly, intimacy. We're looking into God and he is looking into us. And that will bring two things. That will bring comfort and that will bring challenge. 
We believe in that intimacy, that that will bring two things. So as we explore God, we, we journey with holiness. Also accessibility. We will try as best as we can to have simple songs to sing and to play that could be played by eight people on a band, but also one person strumming a guitar. They say what our hearts want to tell God. Also integrity, that they're sound biblically, that they're a primary tool of teaching. And that's really important. You never, you never hear people uh, recounting regularly what, what's said during a sermon, but you'll hear people humming tunes and singing songs of worship uh, throughout our weeks. An integrity in a worshipful lifestyle. Our worship of God is our primary calling and everything else flows from that. And passion is the, is the final one. Not un, unenthusiastic, reluctantly or coyly, but we approach worship with excitement, with expectation, with anticipation, with delight, with gratitude, with raw passion. And again, for everyone here, that's different. But in light of who God is, expectancy and excitement should be the hallmarks of this little dance studio every Sunday morning at 10.30, that we come in here and we are expectant, that we are excited. So that's, that's all I want to say in terms of worship. But through the storms, this, this piece of worship is never to be lost. It's never to be let go of. It's a beautiful, powerful, intimate act that we need like the, the air that we breathe. Why don't we stand?